morning. This is um, the second day of our retreat. Good morning. Um, so I wanted to make a little bit of a distinction between retreat and session. I've never done this before, but it's in my it's been in my mind for a while. I, community, um, I'd like to make a distinction between what we call, what we will call session and what we do now as a retreat. Um, my, my feeling, my sense is, my, my sense. Now, the way we've been talking about it is that um, For American practitioners, um, sometimes having the traditional Zen session for for some people is a bit too much, too much form, too much <coughs> kind of strictness, too much uh, too, too much. <laughs> it's like the Mozart movie. Do you remember the Mozart movie Amadeus, where he writes this incredibly magnificent opera, and somebody whispers, some, uh, somebody who's a competitor of Mozart's whispers in the emperor's ear that there's something wrong with the opera, and he suggests that there are too many notes. And so the, the emperor turns to Mozart and says, well, you know, I don't know, just, it's, it's, it's just too many notes. <laughs> anyway, so in that way, um, for some people, sashin in, in that traditional way is just too much, too much. It's terrific, you know, but for some people too much. And we want in our community to widen our welcome and to welcome as many people as, as we can in, into this practice community. And so what we'd like to do is make a distinction between retreat, which will be um, a little bit um, more like, uh, what are good words to use? Relaxed a little bit. I mean, we're doing a retreat now, and for, you know, it's not exactly relaxed, relaxed. <laughs> but we took away, we take away most of the forms that are, you know, they don't look Japanese, we're not wearing Japanese robes, and so on. So it's a little bit attitude more of like you being responsible for your own practice. You know, if, if you don't come to a period of, sitting, no one's going to tap you on the shoulder and tell you that you're not being a good Zen student for not coming for a period. Um, we let, you know, we, there are chairs around and so on for people to be physically comfortable. You could wear pretty much what you want, you know, within limit, not, not shorts or, oops, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> you didn't know, right? So, right. Um, but modest, you know, I mean, it could be shorts, but just modest things. So, um, so when we have more people who are interested in doing a, a tighter container, much tighter container, then we'll start doing sashin, where they'll be, we'll wear robes, and um, they'll be 
uh, more forms, and there'll be formal tea, we'll do orioki, wonderful things, which we're not quite yet ready for. So I wanted to make that distinction. And um, so that leads me to two things that I wanted to say about the way we're doing retreat now, which I've noticed one thing I'm kind of curious about, which I don't really want to make a rule about. <laughs> But I'm curious, when we say that it starts at 9 o'clock, why people are not actually here at 9 o'clock? And I'm, I'm really not making a rule about it because it's Sashin, we will. If it starts at 9 o'clock, you need to be here at 9 o'clock. But I'm curious, it's pretty late in the day, so just a thought, kind of a thought. The other thing that um, was brought to my attention was is during Kinyin. Kinyin is really a continuation of, of uh, concentration practice. It's just that we recognize that sitting in this folded leg posture is too much. And so we physically need a break at that time, but not mentally. We don't want to take a break mentally. You want to keep concentration going, continuity, all during the day. So we say it's fine to go and to the bathroom and so on because it's necessary, or even drink water because it's necessary. But having a break, taking tea or I don't think we offer coffee. No. Tea, do we offer sugar? No. Good. <laughs> Good. It's maybe too much. Okay, so if you want to go to the bathroom, fine. Take water, fine. You should be drinking eight glasses a day, and it's hard to do that, so. Uh, but tea is a, little bit, is a little bit more on the break side than it is um, trying to keep your concentration going. Not that you can't concentrate making tea. You can. But um, maybe not during Kenyan. During break is fine, but not during Kenyan is not a break. So I hope that that doesn't um, undermine the quality of retreat rather than sashin. So retreat is more like you're responsible for your own practice. This is just a suggestion I would for you guys. So I wanted to um, keep talking a little bit more today about our style of Zen. What I was talking about yesterday is the quality of um, wholehearted effort, sometimes it's called. Blanche, a teacher in Zen Center in San Francisco, talks about it that way. It's a traditional way of talking about our practice from Dogen. Wholehearted practice, wholehearted kind of throwing yourself completely into the activity of the present moment, is what I was talking about yesterday. Um, complete commitment. The way Reb talks about it is, another teacher in San Francisco Zen Center, talks about it is intimacy. Intimacy with your life. Um, and it does, uh, in a sense, feel that way when we are completely wholehearted, committed to the activity of the present moment. We're, we're, in, we're being into, we're close to, there's no separation between us um, and the activity of the moment. The reason I hesitated saying us is because 
the division is not so much between you, it's more between the mind, when the mind contracts and moves us away from the present moment, that's really what has separated us from the present moment. Our being is always in the present moment. It's the mind that makes that split. And it's the mind that we're studying when we sit zazen. We're looking at whatever it is that creates that duality. We say duality. That mind that creates duality, like I said yesterday, is that mind that doesn't want to stop. You know, it doesn't, it's not willing to let go. It wants to be in control. It wants the world to be focused on me, my needs, the way my partner should be for me. You know, my safety, my happiness, my need to control the situation, to make it okay for me. It's that mind that we study. We can call that mind the small self. We can call that mind the self, the egoic mind, the mind of duality. I can think of lots of names <laughs> to call it. <laughs> but I'm being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> but let me say, though, as um, difficult as that mind is, it's not an enemy. We don't want to get rid of it. We want to see it clearly. And this is really an important point. It's a very important point. It's not an enemy. It's not bad. It just happens to cause us suffering. And so what we want to do is see it clearly. And it turns out that when we see it clearly, it has no power of its own, and it begins to dissolve. So our job is just to see it clearly, not to make judgment about what it's doing, even though what it's doing is um, usually most often detrimental, ultimately, to our own happiness and our own sense of love, our ability to truly love in this world. So, um, <clears throat> so I wanted to tell you two stories about the kind of taste of that side of our Zen practice, which is complete um, it's called often in Zen it's called like the practice of no practice or the method of no method it's a little extreme <laughs> but we, we, we talk that way because we you know that line in the chant that we do all the time in faith that we are Buddha in faith that we are Buddha we don't have to fix ourselves. in faith that we are Buddha we already are Buddha mind. In faith that we are Buddha, in a way we don't have to practice, we don't have to do mindfulness, which in itself is a kind of separation. We don't have to 
cultivate presence. We just have to be presence. So Zen talks from the point of view of in faith that we are Buddha already. So here are two stories that uh, point to that. So um, these are very famous stories. The first story is about Nanyue. Like I say, every time I say that name, you'll get tired of this, but allow me. I just love that name. <laughs> Nanyue. It's kind of Nanyue. Why rang? He was in 677 uh, teaching, and his student at this time was a, an, another, turned into another great Zen master called Matsu. So, 677 in China. Think back. <laughs> Think back at what you, what you can picture uh, a, a monastery might have been then. You know, red, filigreed, colorful all over the place. Mud, cold. Hallways like every monastery all over the world, China. And Matsu, in his, in his Chinese kind of robes, where he's wrapped up in these long-sleeved robes, Matsu is sitting out back doing meditation. <laughs> like that, I'm sure. And Nanyue comes by, and he sees him sitting like that. And he says, I, I was going to say quote, but who knows? <laughs> I was going to read you what it says here, but <laughs> quote. Anyway, he says to Matsu, what are you doing? Why are you sitting there? And Matsu says, well, how can you ask me? I'm sitting to become a Buddha. And, and Nanyue goes, oh, really? Okay. And he walks over to, uh, well, there must have been some construction happening, and he picks up a tile. And he walks back to where Matsu is sitting, and he begins rubbing the tile with a rock hard. Matsu can hear him. <laughs> so Matsu turns around and says, What are you doing? You're bothering me. I'm sitting down What are you doing? Rubbing a tile. And Nanyue says, Well, I'm rubbing the tile to make a mirror. What? How can you possibly rub a tile to make it into a mirror? Matsu says. And Nanyue says, how can you sit meditation and to become a Buddha? So Nanyue is pointing. How can you, if you are already, already what you are, you are already life, you're already this mind of awakeness, 
how do you think that sitting zazen is going to make that better, more, in, in, in the future? It's already in here. can you make something that is already enough better? How can you make a, a tree better? Or even into something else? There's this deep, deep, deep quality of acceptance this wide, wide acceptance of things as they are, life as it is. So, when we sit, we don't sit with a goal in mind. Just like I mentioned yesterday about cleaning the room, Suzuki Roshi, we don't clean the room We're not there to clean the room. We're there to be completely present with each activity. And then it turns out the room gets cleaned, but not because we have some goal that we're attached to, that we need to have happen in order for us to be happy or better or whatever. That's not the attitude of a Zen student. This is even a more radical story in a way. I hesitated telling this story to you, but I will do it anyway. In the second story, the great master Lin Ji was a student of Wang Bo. Wang Bo wrote the book, um, Larry, you probably know this book, the book that um, was blue and black. Do you remember that book? It came out years and years, decades ago. It was one of the first. (laughs) (laughs) No, you and I are contemporaries, that's why. And I liked that book a lot. (laughs) 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 Maybe that's why I went Zen and you went a different way. (laughs) Anyway, this story, um, Linji, the student, is um, sitting zazen. I guess he must have been in the Buddha hall. He must have been in the zendo. Um, anyway, he was supposed to be sitting zazen, but he was asleep like this. <laughs> Leslie at Zen Center, San Francisco, you sit, she sits like this. Lynchy <laughs> 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 anyway, was sitting like that. And Huang Bo comes by and he taps lightly on the, they sit on Tan, a little bit raised up, taps on the Tan and Linji's sitting there, a little bit, you know, wakes up just a little bit, sees his teacher, (laughs) goes right back to sleep. (laughs) And Huang Bo and walks on. And then he sees um, in the Buddha Hall, the head student, Chisa. 
um, meditating at the other end of the wide awake, you know, like this. And, and so Wang Bo says to the student who's trying really hard, this is what he says. What do you think you're doing with all your deluded thoughts? That man back there in the rear of the hall is the one who is really meditating. <laughs> I don't know if that's really true, but. Linji became very famous. Um, his way was beautifully simple. Norman likes him, I think, a lot. He's famous for teaching, this is a quote, one should make no artificial effort in practice, but simply be an ordinary person with nothing to do. This was his teaching, over and over and over and over again. He had a wonderful, um, many, 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 many students. And Matsu, the person in the, student in the first story, is famous for saying, the ordinary everyday mind is the way. This is Zen. This is our this is our faith. Ordinary mind is the way. But who believes that? Right? When we start practicing, no, I don't think I didn't believe it. Not for a minute. You know. I just threw those stories away. I, this is the kind of student I was. I'm sorry, don't follow me. <laughs> you know, I just kind of ignored because I didn't understand and I didn't believe it. It wasn't my mind. My mind wasn't ordinary mind, wasn't, you know, the way. Couldn't, couldn't be. My mind was full of, you know, delusion and fighting and struggle and trying to get better and fixing myself and grasping at delusion. Uh, delusion. <laughs> It was interesting, <laughs> at enlightenment and... <laughs> so, we have this way in Zen of saying everything is perfect the way it is, and then we say, and yet. There's a beautiful poem, is it Basho? No, it's Isa, I think. His poem, and yet, and yet, that one. Do you know it? Anybody know that one? Do you know it? Yeah, I've heard can you can you do you remember it? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's very important in our way because even though it's true that we are the mind of Buddha, there's that little kind of and yet. And yet. And so in Zen we also address the and yet part. And we offer certain structures to support our practice and those Structures are Buddha Dharma Sangha in a way. We have precepts first and foremost. We must study and thoroughly study and pay attention to the precepts. That's why I ask everybody in our community to take that class whether or not they want to take vows later. Everybody take the class in the precepts. We offer uh, meditation to develop a mind of equanimity and wisdom. Zen uh, is the Japanese um, 
rendition, I guess, something, of the word Chan in Chinese, which is a, I'm not sure rendition is the right word, but is a, um, the way of saying jhana in Sanskrit, which is a meditation. And we offer a community of practitioners doing the same thing, relating to each other, hopefully, somewhat differently than people usually relate. We want to support each other to find out where we're stuck. We don't, you know, if somebody tells us a story, we can be empathetic for a while, but then we say, you know, if you're having trouble, well, where, where are you caught in that? We don't just sympathize, we try to we try to support their practice, not telling them what they should do or anything, but just we don't engage in this kind of gossipy talk. Hopefully we don't. I don't want my I don't want this community to be a community where gossip is is uh, tolerated. And then we offer talks and interview with the teacher. These are the structures that Zen offers students, Zen students, committed Zen students, and the suggestion is, is to take part in all of those things. Meditation regularly, talking to a teacher regularly, coming to retreats regularly, engaging with the community in a regular way. chapter, Right Attitude. There's a little fascicle he writes called No Trace. So I'm going to read that. So in this, I think you'll get a sense of both the, the thoroughness of his understanding of this complete commitment to activity, and also his um, support of your practice, the end yet. In order not to leave any traces when you do something, you do it with your whole body and mind. You're concentrated on what you do. You do it completely like a good bonfire. Not a smoky fire. You burn yourself completely. If you do not burn yourself completely, a trace of yourself will be left in what you do. You will have something remaining which is not completely burned out. Zen activity is activity which is completely burned out with nothing remaining but ashes. This is the goal of our practice. That is what Dogen meant when he said, ashes do not come back to firewood. Ash is ash. Ash is completely ash. 
firewood, completely firewood. When this kind of activity takes place, one activity covers everything. So our practice is not a matter of one hour or two hours or one day or one year. If you practice zazen with your whole body and mind, even for a moment, that is zazen. So moment after moment, you should devote yourself to your practice. You should not have any remains after you do something. But this does not mean to forget all about it. If you understand this point, all the dualistic thinking and all the problems of life will vanish. Now, that is an amazing statement. Do you believe that? Do you believe? Really? That if we are 100% committed to each activity, the mind is completely there, the body is completely there, that your problems will vanish? Do I believe that? (laughs) Do I do it all the time? No. But is that my effort? Yes. So, in this today, we have another numbers of hours to be together and remind ourselves that this is the suggestion of Zen, and this is what probably all of you are trying to do. And as you see each other's effort, you can be supported in your own effort to continue to do that practice. For now, you know, at least for the rest of the day and maybe even tomorrow, you can forget about past and future. I mean, really, what a relief. You know, here's really an opportunity for you. Just forget about past, forget about who you've ever been. Just throw it out. Forget about who you think you ought to be in the future or any kind of problems that might be there. Forget about it. Just give yourself a vacation and come back to the present moment over and over again, completely committed, intimate with the activity of the present moment. And see for yourself. trust your own experience. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.